0: Welcome to the Revival Center podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and thoughts from our church. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Yeah, I know, that's fine. Amen. Alright, so let's get ready and uh, we'll jump into the Word tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1-11. through 11. Now remember, this is meet tonight. We're going deep into God's Word as we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And um, really need to pray when we read this scripture. Really need to pray for the Holy Spirit to teach us and to lead us and to guide us tonight. um, Because He is our teacher. Amen to that. So let's read here. Starting at verse number 1 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Reading out of the New King James. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you... Were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are difference of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. of tongues, But one and the same Spirit works all these distributing to each one individually as He wills. So tonight is Pentecost part three. Let's pray. Father, I thank you Lord for your presence and Lord I do rely upon you tonight to teach. I pray God let it be clear. I pray Lord Jesus that you lead us into the truth tonight. May we receive it in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Alright, as we get started tonight, my hope and my goal is to teach on the different gifts that are found in the Bible. I know sometimes it can be confusing and when we get into the weeds like we're about to get into tonight, um, sometimes you can get lost, you know, because you're trying to focus on so many things. And, but I hope that uh, the Lord answers our prayer uh, and that this is revealed to you uh, very, uh, very clearly. So with that being said, let me start right here. You have these different handouts, and you can refer to these handouts as needed. I'm going to refer to them at times as well. But if you want to look at, um, if you want to just look at handout C real quick, and you'll see the three different categories, and these three categories is going to be my three points tonight. What I want to do is to go to the main scripture references that is found on handout C, the uh, Motivation, ministry, and manifestation I want to go to Romans twelve then we 're going to go to First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, what we just read uh, uh, excuse me then we 're going to go to Ephesians four and then lastly the manifestation first Corinthians twelve what we just read we 're going to deal with each one and what that represents and and the differences between them and so the three points. Is these gifts in the body of Christ? You have motivation gifts, which is um, like what what is referred to in the Bible, grace gifts. Um, why you do what you do, almost like a personality in a way. We'll, we'll teach in a second. Then you have the ministry gifts. The ministry gifts is like the fivefold ministry. If you know Ephesians four eleven, whenever I reference that, then you understand what I'm talking about. But for example, the office of pastor. I ain't talking about Jason. I'm just talking about the office of pastor. That office is a gift. The office itself is a gift given to the body of Christ so that is a gift also and then number three the manifestation gifts that's the one that we are most aware of those are the ones we understand the miracles and the signs and the wonders but what we're going to do is try to break it down so that you understand that these three different kinds of gifts are different in the body of Christ and I hope that it makes sense tonight if not maybe I will uh, confuse you enough that you have to go home and and read your Bible and study a little bit come on have That all right, Amen. All right, so I want to make sure that we have some clarification tonight on the different gifts of the Spirit because some may say, I don't have the gift of healing. But in the New Testament, you would be hard-pressed to find people, uh, use any of the manifestation gifts, uh, and not be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know, I can't prove to you every single person that is that was used in some sort of manifestation gift um, wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can't prove it, like, for example, the Deacon Philip, deacon's Philip's four daughters who... Prophesied, I can't show you in scripture where those four daughters were baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I can show you where their daddy was. You follow what I'm saying? And so they were used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But but we may say, I don't have the gift of healing. Or another may say, only a few have the gift of healing. And we will say people like Oral Roberts, you know, back in the day as healing ministries. But I want us to understand differently tonight about motivation, ministry, and then manifestation. So let's start here in 1 Corinthians chapter. 12 verse number one and if you are if you have your handouts you can look at handout a and you can look down at the bottom where it says number one now concerning spiritual gifts the reason we want to start there is in the original greek the word gift is not there the word gift is not there it was added by translators to help better understand this passage The proper word and the proper phrase would have been spiritual matters or spiritual things. So in other words, in the original Greek, it would have read, now concerning spiritual matters, or it would have read, now concerning spiritual things. What Paul is getting ready to do in 1 Corinthians 12 is to explain to the church what these spiritual matters mean to us and how they are to manifest in terms of the power gifts and operate. The reason he had to do that in the Corinthian church is because he had to. If you ever studied the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, they were out of order. They were using the gifts. They were a very charismatic church, a very Pentecostal church if you want to say it like that. But, But however, found within that very charismatic church. You found rebellion. You found uh, legalism. You found worldliness. You found out-of-control services. And word got back to Paul, and Paul had to fix it in this letter right here. So in verse 1, Paul is saying, I want to enlighten you on how it is supposed to look, what a healthy church is supposed to look like and what it is supposed to feel like when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if you notice in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, varieties of manifestations. In other words, God is saying that it is one source, but there is a variety of functions from that one source. It is all the Holy Spirit. And that it is okay if you don't manifest a particular gift um, that i manifest or vice versa. In other words, we can't run around and say, well, I have the gift of healing, so I'm better than you because all you have is the gift of wisdom. You understand? You say that is ridiculous. I know, but that's what they were doing back then. They were exalting each other based upon their gift. Are are you hearing what I'm saying? And what Paul was trying to say is like everybody just needs to uh, take a big time out because it doesn't matter what gift you're manifesting it all comes from the same spirit we're all unified in that manner all right so let's deal with number one uh, motivation gift so there it is motivation gifts is found in romans chapter 12 uh at verse number six and so as we begin to look at what this gift is right here uh, let me go to the next slide there yeah there it is having then gifts differing, differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. All right. Then he begins to list gifts. And this is where sometimes we get confused because we see that list that we're about to read in Romans and we think it's the same list found in 1 Corinthians 12. But again, when you study it out, it's different. It's a different language in terms of the Greek word. So that's what I'm trying to explain tonight. So whenever you look at the word charismata, Do I have that word up there? Yeah. So the word gift in Romans 12, 6, that word gift is charismata. It literally means grace. It literally means free. All right? So the gifts that we're about to read in Romans 12, starting at verse number 6, are free gifts that God gives a measure of faith. To Every person there this is something that God divinely gives to the born again believer some people actually call this your birthday gifts so whenever you get born again everybody has a certain measure of faith along these lines of these gifts. Um, So let's go ahead and read it on. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse number 6. Do I have that one up there? All right, so we already read. We read that one. Having then gifts uh, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. And then verse number 7. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, verse number 8. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, this these free gifts of grace see, uh, serves as motivation to serve the body of Christ. It's almost like a personality trait that people have and why they are drawn to certain aspects in the body of Christ. Understand the reason it uses the word grace right there is because grace is more than simply salvation. When you have grace upon your life, you have the desire to do something and you have the ability to do something, okay? So, for example, whenever I first got called into ministry, listen to the words that I'm about to use. I had grace in my life to be a youth pastor. Listen to my words. I had grace in my life... To be a youth pastor. I had the desire to do it. And I had the ability to do it. But somewhere along the journey. That grace lifted. Come on somebody. Come on talk to me in here. Alright. Somewhere along the way. I lost the desire. And the ability. Come on. Because at one time. Whenever I would take the teenagers to camp. Um, you know. And we're laying at camp. And they're, excuse my language. They're you know. Um, Passing gas, let me say it like that. Passing gas is, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning and and everybody's laughing and cutting up. That ain't funny to me no more. Come on, somebody. It's like 9.30, it's time to go to bed. I wouldn't be a good youth pastor now, all right? (laughs) All right, because I, that that grace lifted up off of me. Okay, um, so some may be drawn more to kids, some may be drawn more to hospitality, some may be drawn more to teaching, like Sunday school, and those are gifts that God gave you. You didn't have to ask for it. That's the that's the difference. These gifts He gave it to you. You got born again, and you're just drawn to certain areas in the church because God gave it to you during the born again experience. I hope I'm making sense right there a little bit. I'll get more into it. Now, this word gift, this charismata, does not refer to the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's two separate things. The promise of the Holy Spirit is a completely different word that means that you must ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to ask for these Roman 12 gifts. That's the reason they're grace gifts. You're, you're just born again with them, okay? Let me give you an example. Um, so, Ian, and um, in, in, in go to, I'm messing you up up there, okay? I'm just kind of flowing with it. All right, so look at Romans 12, 3. It's about a couple of, uh, couple of uh, pages down, and then there it is. All right, now watch. For I say, through the grace given to me, To everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Do you see that? That is the context that we just read all of those other gifts. That's the context. He has already dealt a measure or a gift to everybody in this room based upon that list. Okay? All right, okay, okay, you got me a little bit right there? Now watch the difference of that versus this. Luke chapter 11, verse number 9. So now you go back to where we were. All right, now watch, looking at the context. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now pause right there. How many of you have ever seen that verse right there? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, look at all these hands. Okay, so you're familiar with that verse. Okay? Look at the context in which it was given. This is going to blow you away right here. Verse number 10. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Number 11. Look at the context. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Verse number 12. Or if he asks for an egg... Will he offer him a scorpion? And ding, 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 here it comes. If you then... Being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Woo! Yes, sir. You see, oftentimes we quote that verse: "If you knock, you'll find. Seek, and you." We we, we we read that verse, but we read it completely out of context. The context was given so that you would ask and seek for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if anybody ever tells you, you better watch out. You go to that church. And you start asking for the Holy Spirit, that you go get you a demon. That's what you go get. Come on, somebody. No, sir. I got Bible that backs me up. That if I can go to my father, who my, my earthly father, and he's not gonna give me a scorpion, then I can sure enough go to my heavenly father, ask for the Holy Spirit, and he's gonna give me the real thing. There's your verse, baby. Write it down. But see, with this, with the Holy Spirit, with the baptism, you got to ask for it. Do you understand? All right. Acts chapter 19, verse number 1. I already read this one last Wednesday, so I'm not going to take a long time on it. But this is when Paul was going through the interior. Next uh, verse, verse number 2. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You see, if it was just given automatically, why would Paul have to ask them? If you just get it, then it's a crazy question. If it's automatic but Paul knew something and he's trying to teach you. We have not even so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now watch. R- remember why I'm giving you these verses. Because those, those verses over in Romans, those gifts are given to you freely. To every man, a measure of faith. Okay? That's the difference of those gifts versus them other ones. Uh, and to then who were you baptized? Into John's baptism, verse number 4. Uh, John indeed baptized with baptism of repentance, saying to the people uh, they should believe on the one coming after him, that is in Christ Jesus. Verse number 5, when they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse number 6, Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And here comes those manifestations. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So here it is. Now Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. See, Romans 12, verse 3, dealt to each one a measure of faith, is different than what we just read. At salvation, when you're born again, these grace gifts motivate you toward ministry in the church. This is why I always tell our staff, whether it's the kids pastor, the youth pastor, the worship pastor, I don't care, whatever, whatever you're in charge of. Most people come to church through the filter of their gift. And when you approach church through the filter of your dominant gift, then you think everybody else ought to like what you like. Come on, talk to me in here. (laughs) All right, so we have a, I'm just using it as an example, okay? It's not, you know, I'm just using kids ministry, you know, just as an example. Miss Tabitha doesn't do this. But um, because if she did, I wouldn't be using her as an example. All right. (laughs) So the fact that I'm using her as an example means we're good. All right, so here it is. So if the, if the kids pastor comes out and says, um, we need to um, get some sponsors for kids camp, okay, and, um, and nobody raises their hand or nobody, you know, helps out in the kids ministry, no volunteers or whatever, whatever, then the kids pastor goes away and says, you know what, I only got two people uh, to help out in kids ministry. This church just doesn't love kids. You follow them? No, 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 time out. That's not true. These two have the same motivation gifts, Romans 12, that you do and are drawn to kids. It just means the other body of Christ isn't drawn to the same thing that you're drawn to. And I'm glad that's the way it is. If not, then everybody in this room would be somewhere else doing something else right now. Are you listening to what I'm trying to say? I hope I'm making sense, all right? So let's look at this a little bit. What are these seven motivational gifts? The gifts mentioned in Romans 12 right there are seven motivational spiritual gifts. Each Christian receives one of these at the time of salvation, and it is the tool through which God works in him her to see the needs of the church met this is how God tugs on your heart this is how the Holy Spirit pulls on you in order to serve the greater body of Christ because remember with grace comes the ability and the desire to do whatever it is that you're doing in the body of Christ so the next next slide prophecy so now don't get that confused again with those other gifts all right, Because that's what happens. We try to lump them all together, but they're not the same. And I'm not going to go in great detail right here, because I went, on, I went into detail with this particular gift last Wednesday. So go back and watch it and check it out online, and you can, you can study that out a little bit. But I will simply say this right here, that for the person who has this gift, okay, their motivation in church is to see things black and white, right and wrong. That's their gifting. And so we need to listen when they speak because they can help point the way. Okay? So we need that. Now, uh, there, there are pluses to this gift, and there's some minuses. All right? You got to do it in love. Come on, somebody. All right? I'm not going to get into all of it tonight, but um, you got to love the right way. All right? You, th- th- what they love is the right way. What they love is righteousness. Okay? This is wrong right here. This is right right here. Okay? And we need that in the body of Christ, but that is a gift. You tracking with me? All right. All right. Next one. Serving. So a person with this motiv- motivational gift of serving is driven to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs. They love to serve. Build a bridge. I'm their servant. You know, they love to serve. Um, the server is available to see a project through all the way to the end. They enjoy doing physical work. They enjoy doing anything in which they are serving. They have a grace upon their life to do those types of things where it might burn the profit out. Come on, somebody. The person who has this grace can just keep on serving, baby. Okay? You follow? Again, that's something inside of you. All right? Let's go to the next one now. um uh, uh, or the verse, I'm sorry, there was a Romans 12, verse 10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Again, that is that serving heart right there, right? Next one is teaching. So a person with the motivational gift of teaching is passionate about discovering and validating truth. So the person who has this gift inside of them, when they got saved, a teacher is concerned with the accuracy of information, especially church doctrine, and is often gifted with research ability. And what I mean by that is they enjoy research. They love to teach, man. They just love it. They're drawn to it. They don't have to work at it. It's just a gift that they have. Are you tracking with me, okay? All right, next one, exhorting. So, this is a gift from God, uh, a, a motivational gift, again, a personality trait almost. A person with the motivational gift of exhortation wants to see believers grow to spiritual maturity. They exhort, uh, an exhorter is an encourager at heart and is often involved in the ministry of counseling, teaching, and discipleship. They are very relational in nature and they can become a peacemaker. If you put somebody who has the gift of exhorting, their, their, their grace gift, You drop them in the middle of a disagreement between two people. What they're going to do naturally is try to find common ground on both sides. Never took a class. Never read a counseling book. The gift is just going to start happening. And they're going to try to be a peacemaker and bring people together. Because what they love to see is people being happy. Okay, are you you tracking with me? All right. Next one is giving. A person with this motivational gift of giving wants to use financial resources wisely in order to give to meet the needs of others. A giver is usually good at finding best buys, uh, noticing overlooked needs, and maintaining a budget. You would think, what? That doesn't make any sense. A giver maintaining a budget? Yeah, because watch. Whenever you look at giving from God's perspective, God is a God of order, and He's not a God of waste. Okay, So the the person who has the grace of giving will absolutely give to meet a need, but they are not about wasting money. Okay, so that, that is a gift right there, and they love to give. They can see the need, and they are often good with budgets. Uh, I'll give you a prime example of that gift happening in the body of Christ. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 2 that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abundant in the riches of their uh, liber- uh, giving. That's the word for giving right there. In other words, this is what happened. Even though they were in poverty at this church, they had a grace gift of giving and they gave beyond what they could give in their means. Okay? All right. next one is uh, leads or organizing or leader, whatever you want to use that word right there. So a person with this motivational gift of organizing or leading is able to accomplish tasks and solve problems through delegation and analyzing. An organizer often discerns the talents and abilities of others and knows how those individuals can best serve within a ministry or on a particular project. Now not only can they get things done, they can also raise up other leaders. And if you stick around that guy long enough, he'll pull out the best inside of you eventually because he's always looking uh, to reproduce himself in leaders. That is a motivational grace gift from God. Are you still with me tonight? Okay, I know I'm teaching. I know this is teaching tonight. I'm just trying to, uh, trying to explain these things. All right. Next one is mercy. A person with this motivational gift here of mercy is sensitive to the emotional and spiritual needs of others. Watch now. A mercy giver is drawn to people in need and seeks to demonstrate compassion, understanding, and a love to others. In other words, if somebody with mercy finds a stray cat. Come on, somebody. That cat's coming home. Okay, I'm just using it as an example. <laughs> I see fingers being pointed right now. All right. All right, so that's number one. Let's go to number two now. So now we are ha- uh, going, out, uh, going to ministries again. If you want to look at handout C right there, uh, you can kind of follow along. So the ver- first one was the motivation. The second is now ministry. Okay, these ministries are the gift. Okay, the ministry is the gift. I'm going to teach this uh, from Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11, all right? So we're moving on here. And he himself gave, somebody say gave. gave, gave, there it is, there's the gift, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The reason we get confused is because it uses the same wording for each of these gifts, but there are different kinds of gifts, all right? So this is different. This is the office of the church. Why are they given? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So let's begin to dive into it. Um, the word give there, next slide. All right, so Ephesians 4.11. The word give, the Greek word, means to bestow a gift, the definition. So the office, okay, the, the ministries there in Ephesians 4.11 of the church are given as gifts to the church. Okay, did you catch that? This is the government of the church to lead and equip the local church in order to spread the kingdom of God. So the first one that it talked about, next slide, is the gift of apostleship. The best translation for this Greek word is the sent one. It refers to some sort of official or ambassador who is sent out by a group of in or individuals to another place with a message to declare or a task to perform. There were many disciples... Of Jesus, they numbered. Um, they numbered into the hundreds, but from the many disciples, he only chose twelve to be called apostles. But however, watch this. I'm gonna give you a list of some other people who were called apostles outside of the original 12. And the first one is kind of, I'm I'm kind of cheating on the first one, but you know what? Just go with me. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 11. Jesus is called in the book of Hebrews an apostle and high priest. Okay, so I cheated on that one. All right, but just want you to see the word. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 1. So here's one, Paul. Is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul was not with the original twelve. Okay? I'm just saying, I know Jesus showed up to him and knocked him off his beast and all that kind of stuff. But Paul was not there whenever he, when Jesus walked on water. Paul was not there whenever he turned um, uh, on you know, the, the water into wine and the fishes and the loaves. He was not there. I'm just pointing that out is all I'm saying. Philippians chapter 2 verse 25. Now, there's no way I'm just going to pronounce that guy's name. I would probably almost cuss if I said that name right there. Because that, that thing right there messed with my head. Anyways... Do you see it where it says, but your messenger, messenger, okay? It was translated messenger, but when you look at the Greek of that word, it's sent out one. It's the exact same word as apostle. I'm just pointing it out. I'm just pointing it out. Romans chapter 16, verse number 7. So here again, I can't pronounce these guys' names, but greet those two folks right there. My countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles. Some people say that those two people were counted among the apostles of the day. That's what some people say. I'm just pointing it out to you, okay? So here it is. If we stuck to the strict meaning of the word, it would probably most apply to most closely to a missionary because a missionary is one that is sent out. In the early church, the requirements for apostleship seemed to be one who had been with Christ from his baptism, who was an eyewitness to his resurrection from the dead. It would also appear that he should also exercise the gift of miracles because, Paul said, are not the works of an apostle wrought by me. Talking about miracles, okay? Are there apostles today? Okay, that's the question. And the answer is yes and no. If that is, that's probably not a good answer. But let me show you. No, in the sense that no one can rewrite scripture, change scripture, or claim to have walked with Jesus. Okay? But yes, in the sense that people are still sent out. You know, yes, in the sense that you you oversee ministries and you start churches. You know, so the apostolic nature is there. But no, um, the apostles in the, in the strictest form of definition of, of, of the book of Acts, no. Um, nobody's writing the Bible no more. All right? Now, next is prophets, but you can go back to Wednesday night teaching for that. So we're skipping to evangelism. Evangelists. So just as with apostles and prophets, the word evangelist is not a translation uh, from the Greek, but a transliteration. What do I mean by that? It's two words that they brought together. And those two different phrases is this. One who teaches the gospel and one who lives the gospel. Don't you love that? Don't you love that word? The one who teaches it and the one who who lives it I love that idea so an evangelist then is someone who both understands the call of the gospel as found in scripture and lives it out in their own life as a way to invite other people to believe in Jesus and live out the gospel as well it would not be wrong to think of an evangelist as a discipleship maker they live to follow Jesus themselves and through their words and their actions invite others to also become followers of Jesus with them. So how does the work of living out the gospel fit with the foundation that has been laid with the apostles and the prophets? The answer is that just as the apostles and prophets laid the foundation of scripture, the evangelist prepares to build upon that foundation by bringing people into the church and then showing them how to live as members of God's family. The evangelist is the supplier. Watch now. The evangelist The evangelist brings the boards and the sidings and the shingles and builds the spiritual church building so that they are ready and available to be put into the structure of the church. Let me keep going. Next one is pastor. Again, these are gifts that God gives to the church. The Greek word for gift, is you can see it right there, the word pastor... Is shepherd the one is the shepherd the one who tends the flock? That's the exact definition for it. So watch. It is more than just feeding the sheep. Watch now. It is overseeing them, watching over their welfare. The fact that Paul equates the work of the pastor with teaching indicates that teaching is a primary function of shepherding. Okay, I'm about to say something right here. Noting Noting that elders and pastors had similar functions in the New Testament. Since elders were to be teachers, the pastor were also to be teachers. Conversely, not all teachers were said to be pastors. Are you confused yet? All right. I know. I know. This evidence seems to suggest that the pastors were part of the teachers. All pastors are to be teachers though not all teachers are to be pastors now let me lay something on you right here when we have a pastor who are not teachers but they're just caregivers then we end up with Christians who feel cared for but don't know very much see this is where the body of Christ gets in trouble is that we put people in office and they are not functioning in their gift. Okay? So sometimes in churches, we will make a pastor somebody who all they do is take care of the sheep. And that's fine. But they don't know how to teach nothing. They don't know how to preach. They don't have no anointing to do that. And so people are just out there running wild. But the, pre- the pastor sure does love me. Come on, somebody. Help me talk in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so you, not only do you have to have that shepherding heart, but you also got to know how to preach the Bible. You gotta be able to do both. Hello, somebody. Because now, just like that extreme is one extreme. Here's the other danger. Watch now. Some think that they are teachers who do not need to pasture. Oh my. Uh-huh. So you could have a teacher who knows how to teach, but they can't stand the sheep. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> So they'll come up here and teach you the best sermon you ever heard. And then they'll walk right in that door. Come on somebody. And so you, the, the sheep don't feel cared for now. Oh, you're feeding great, but, you know, you can't get to him. you got to go through five people, come on somebody before you can knock on the door. Are you here? Okay, let me quit doing that. Let me get back to it, all right? So anyway, so, so that can be bad also. So again, this is where the church gets out of whack sometimes is we don't carefully examine. And I'm talking to myself right now. We don't. When somebody's called into ministry, we don't carefully examine what our, our gifting is. So, if you only want to teach, but you don't want a pastor, then you need to go and sign up to be a professor in some university and teach, teach until your heart's delight because all you're going to do with them guys is just give them grades and say, see you later, but you can teach. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And we got to know our roles. All right. So let me go to teacher here. Next one. Some believe that this goes together with the pastor. So sometimes people will say pastor, teacher. Okay. I'm separating them a little bit because it's separated in scripture. But, anyways, all right. So, all right. So here it is. The Greek word for teach um, is that word right there. And uh, it means to instruct. Here we go now. A teacher is someone who imparts information to others. Teacher is one who knows the primary way of feeding and caring for his flock is through faithful and systematic teaching of scripture. Teachers will spend a lot of time with their nose in books studying. Teaching is a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. One without this gift can understand the Bible as he hears it or reads it, but he cannot explain it as one who has the gift can. The church is edified through the use and the gift of teaching as people listen to the Word of God, hear what it means, and then are able to apply it to their lives. Are you tracking with what I'm saying right there? That's a teacher, okay? I don't consider myself a great teacher. I've said this many times. I don't, I, I, I don't consider myself a great communicator. I am a preacher, okay? I'll give you a preacher sermon, all right? But whenever it comes to the teachy-teachy stuff, I have to really dig and press in um, because it's not my, no, my most natural gifting. Are you tracking with what I'm saying right there, all right, First Timothy chapter 5, verse number 17, it says, Let the elders who rule... Uh, Well, be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. The Bible, without a doubt, puts an emphasis on teaching sound doctrine. Sound doctrine puts an emphasis on it. So, this is why Sunday school teachers and community connection leaders are so very important to our church and so very biblical to our church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I pray for our Sunday school teachers and our community connection leaders because you have to have the gift of teaching in the body of Christ if we're going to be healthy and functional. This cannot be the only primary source of information or teaching because there are other people in our congregation who has the gift of teaching and you need to get plugged in. Somebody say amen right there. All right, Now let me wrap this portion up and then I'll move to point number three. To wrap it up, the first two apostles and prophets are concerned with originating and expounding the word of God While the last three evangelists, pastors, and teachers are concerned with applying the word to individual lives. The evangelist deals with the beginning of a Christian life while the teacher and pastor is involved with the development and growth of that life. Evangelists are like the doctors birthing babies. Come on, somebody. They help bring new Christians into the world. They give birth. And then they take the little baby Christian and pass the little baby Christian over to the teachers, and to the pastors who begin to give that young baby Christian milk of the word. Mm-hmm. Come on, somebody. And then meat of the word, helping that baby grow and mature into all things that Christ has for them. Are you tracking with what I'm saying right there? All right. Now, number three, number three, diversity of manifestation. So here we go. Here we go. This is the one that everybody knows about. This is the one when you talk about spiritual gifts, everybody runs straight to here. But I wanted to show you that there's other gifts beyond these right here. Okay, here we go. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse number six. And there are diversity of activities. All right. Uh, but it is the same God who works all in all. So here we go now. So the activities, the working of activities right there. This, the way the spirit works in and among us. Is what it's referring to. Okay? All right. So, this is what I call the power gifts or the spirit induced gifts or the manifestation of the spirit through you. Okay? All right. So, um, if you want to look at handout C to kind of follow along a little bit, you know, just as a reference, I know I keep going back to that, but I want you to see that we're over here in the manifestation uh, section now, and there's nine of them there. So, if the Holy Spirit sees a need in the body of Christ the holy spirit will manifest one of these gifts through his people to meet that need that is in the body of Christ uh, according to the need again 1 corinthians 12:6 the word uh, manifestation all right the word manifestation in the greek means to reveal Alright, it's an expression. So these are, are meeting a need more than they are just simply a gift. It's meeting a need. That's how you got to see it. Because we may say, well, um, you know, I want the gift of healing, okay? Well, maybe, maybe, you, you know, the Lord is going to wait until you need the gift of healing to manifest in your life. You, you follow what I'm saying? It, if there's no need to be met, then it ain't, there ain't no manifestation. Okay? So if you come to the altar... And, uh, and you don't know what to pray for this person, all of a sudden the Lord may give you a, a, a word of knowledge to meet that need for that person right there. You don't know when the Lord is going to manifest it. You just got to be ready for Him to use you right there. Does that make sense? Okay, uh, Okay. let me keep going. So, now, this is how I believe it works. I believe that when you get saved, you get a grace gift, a motivation. That's the desire and the ability so you have the desire to meet a need now. Mm-hmm. And as you step out in faith to begin to do ministry, the Holy Spirit now gives you the ability with a manifestation of God's power through your life. Um, as an example, your grace gift may be encouragement. In fact, if you want to look at um, uh, uh, handout D right there. So your, your diversity gift, your, your motivation gift may be exhorting. But your ministry gift may be a teacher, okay? But the, you could manifest any one of them nine. You see how, you see how that begins to flow together? And that's how the, the gifts begin, boom, to come together and work together. So, you know, whatever your, you may be, your motivation may be a teacher. Your office, you may be an evangelist, but again you could manifest any one of those nine based upon ever how the Holy Spirit wants to use you. You just got to be willing and and available, okay? So as, again, if you come to the altar and um, you have the desire to come and pray with somebody, you know, you, you are intercessor, okay? That person that you come to pray for may need healing. And so God may manifest in your life healing right there, okay? So let me keep going here. So, um... So there are. There follows, in this, in this uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7-10, we already read it. There follows a relatively long list of various gifts of the Spirit. And these form the foundation by which the work of the church is to be done in the world. This is always where God starts. He does not start by forming an organization. He starts by equipping His people with gifts. That's what Paul did. He would go... Cast a demon out of a girl. He would go and healings would come. And then a church would be birthed in Ephesus as an example. Okay? Now, the manifestation of the Spirit is not your normal, natural abilities. It is a supernatural function. Therefore, the gifts of the Spirit are not your abilities nor your talents. It is God working through you. Verse number 8. Keep going to the next slide. Knowledge. It was given for the specific purpose of communicating divine revelation. And it also has to do with God giving divine knowledge and insight into certain situations. The gift of the word of knowledge refers to the ability to know facts about a situation or a spiritual spiritual principle that could not have been known by natural means this allows someone to see a situation the way God sees it it is still much needed in the church today it's just a feeling you get you just know that you know that you know all right you haven't read a book on it I just know that uh you know certain information about whatever it is that you just know and you just know because God told you supernatural all right all right wisdom Next one. All right. Oh, excuse me. Right there. We're still there. Wisdom. Now, God gives the believer supernatural knowledge into particular situations, and then he gives wisdom on how to apply that knowledge. Wisdom knows when and how to apply God's truth in, in specific situations. Whew. Oh, my goodness. Do we not need wisdom in today's generation? You don't have to get on face. Let me. I ain't, I ain't gonna go there. Let me just keep going here. <clears throat> I'm about to run out of time. James three seventeen. Wisdom is a unifier, not a divider. Somebody say amen right there. Okay. Wisdom is a unifier, not a divider. But the wisdom that is from above. Do you see that from above? This is the supernatural gift. First, it is pure. It is peaceable. It is gentle. Willing. To yield, Lord, have mercy. Preach this word right here willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Who wants some of that wisdom right there? Amen to that. That is so powerful. So, when difficulties arise or a decision must be made, someone with that. Gift right there knows how to apply the knowledge that they have. My goodness. Wisdom comes from knowing Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Therefore, if this, this spiritual gift is going to come to the person who finds themselves hidden away in Jesus Christ. Amen to that. All right. I got to hurry. I can see it on your faces right now. Come on. Y'all like, I got you. I got you. I'm using the spirit of discernment right now. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, now I'll go back now uh, first Corinthians uh, verse number nine. All right, so now we are at the gift of faith. Let me explain that very quickly. Now, there are there are different kinds of faith. Most of the time when we use the word faith, we understand it as saving faith. Saving faith. That is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, least any man should boast. Okay. So the gift of faith. May be defined as the special gift whereby the Spirit provides Christians with extraordinary confidence, if I can say it like that, in God's promises power and presence so that they can take a huge stand for the future of God's work in their life and in the church. So you have one kind of faith, is saving faith and then there's, a, then there's a gift of faith that says I don't care what it looks like, what it smells like, I know what God has said and I am standing right here firm and unmovable that is a gift of faith. Are you tracking with what I'm saying right there? It's like Abraham believing that God had promised him to be the father of many nations took his son up there on on uh, on the mountain was about to kill him okay and then God said stop there's a ram over there that was the gift of faith that Abraham had are you tracking with what I'm saying all right let me keep going here uh verse number nine going back all right so now here's the gift of healings what is that that is exactly what it means it is the gift of healing the ability to restore health it is in uh the plural form right here gift of healings. Do you see the S? Okay, okay. The reason it's plural is I believe that it is referring to not just physical healings, but I believe it is referring to psychological healings, spiritual healings, mental healings, emotional healings. I believe that when God gets done with you, he wants the whole you whole and made complete. Are you listening to what I'm saying right there? Praise Him. go ahead and make your way up. That would buy me five minutes to get down right here, okay? First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, that means walk slow, praise the Lord. Oh, excuse me, James five fourteen. I don't want to miss that verse. It's too good. Talking about gift of healing right here. If any among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Verse number 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. See, the whole body. It's your spiritual. Get that stuff under the blood of Jesus. Get healed physically. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Very good. All right. now 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 10. The working of miracles. This means the ability to release the power of God in a unique and supernatural way such as Jesus did when He turned water into wine. That was a working of miracle. When He walked on water, that was a working of miracle. Or whenever He raised Lazarus from the dead listen to me a miracle is something that is humanly impossible but divinely simple you don't have to stress out about doing a miracle because you ain't gonna do one (laughs) okay God is going to do it through you all he needs is somebody to pray the prayer all he needs is somebody to take the step and then he does the rest of it are you are you understanding that Now, many people have difficulty in accepting miracles. They only think in the realm of the natural and natural phenomenon. And they have excluded the supernatural from their thought process. All right, now watch. Therefore, when you talk about a miracle to that individual, they are naturally skeptical because they do not believe in the supernatural acts of God. And th- therefore, they have to rationalize or deny all miracles or supernatural manifestations. Here's my point on it right here. If, if, even if I never saw a miracle... Okay, let me me just, I, I have seen them though, but let me just say if I never did, I would still stand right here and preach that miracles happen. You know why? Because the book says so. I don't have to believe it through my experiences. I don't have to because the book says it. And then I'll leave the rest up to God. It's up to Him. All right, let me keep going here. Gift of prophecy. Again, you, you have to go to last Wednesday. I dealt with that. First Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14.1 was kind of our big scripture last Wednesday. It says, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So I'm just going to leave that one right there. All right, keep going. Verse number 10 again. 1 Corinthians 12. Distinguishing between spirits. All right, now what does this mean? A couple of things. To detect false doctrine... And to detect the Antichrist spirit. We do know that the Antichrist spirit is already working on this earth. The Bible says that. The person who has the ability to discern spirits knows that this spirit in operation wherever, whatever, this ain't a God. This is, the, this is something else happening right here. You understand? Okay, it's very vital. 1 John chapter 4 verse number 1. Beloved, do not believe. Come on, read it. Every spirit. He's telling us right there. But test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. They were dealing with it back then. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the uh, world. Verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Verse 5. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Verse 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Powerful. Powerful right there. Powerful stuff. All right, so let me keep going here. All right, so this right here is a special gift to discern whether those who prophesied were actually speaking from God. The gift is given to distinguish between the Holy Spirit and the working of evil spirits. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Okay? Let the others judge. you got to discern it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 22. Peter took him to the side, talking to Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. This is when Jesus was going to Jerusalem uh, to be crucified uh, and and give himself up. Peter was like, no, that ain't happening over my dead body. I'm not going to let nobody hurt you. Watch what happens. Jesus turned, verse 23, said to Peter. He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. That's exactly what we just read in 1 John. He was trying to stop the will of God in Jesus' life. And Jesus had the discernment to know that what Peter just said, though he meant well, that was coming from something else. That's powerful, y'all. Okay? All right. Okay. I know. I got to be done. I'm almost done. Last one. Last one, verse number 10, again, 1 Corinthians 10. Here it is. It took me all night to get to the one that everybody wants to hear about. Come on, somebody. All right. Various kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues is the accompanying gift. Biblically speaking, the gift of tongues is the ability to speak a language that you never have learned. It is not the ability to learn a language quickly. This is the ability to speak a language you have never learned, even a heavenly prayer language, so to speak. Or, in the case of interpretation, to interpret a language that you have never learned before either. It can be different human languages actually on earth. Acts chapter 2, verse number 6, on the day of Pentecost, they actually heard other physical languages on earth speaking at that time. So that can be a manifestation Of this gift, okay? Y'all see that? Okay, I don't have time to read it all. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 44. However, this time, while Peter was still speaking to Cornelius' house, these words look what it says the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, verse 45 and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on, on the Gentiles also. How did you know? How do you know? How do you know? For they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. I didn't say they got filled with the Holy Spirit because they spoke in tongues. The Bible says they got filled with the Holy Spirit because they spoke in tongues. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It was a sign. All right. Uh, Let me show you uh, this one right here. Acts uh, 19 verse 6. Again, I've already showed you this verse. But again, he laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. First Corinthians 14, verse 18. I, it never re, we never read where Paul actually had hands laid on him, and he spoke in tongues. We don't have that, but we have this. Paul said, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. So at some point, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. He's, okay, all right. Number three, it can be a song you sing in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 15. You can pray in the Spirit. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, but I will also pray with the understanding. See, I can do both. I can pray in my prayer language, but I can also pray in my English language. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in my regular language. Do you see that? Okay. All right. It can be used to pray just in general, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Okay. But I can pray in my tongue, in my prayer language. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26, and I'm done right about to be done in just a second. Likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray. For as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Again, I interpret that as praying in the Spirit. Okay? And then uh, lastly, it can be used to build yourself up in prayer. Jude chapter 1 verse number 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. The reason we say pray in the Holy Spirit, the reason you hear that around here, is because we're quoting Jude chapter 1 verse number 20. We didn't make it up. We just know what the Bible says. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to you? So, here I'm done. My my last thing to you is this right here. How does God want to use you? Where is your motivation? What are you drawn to? What is... What is your function in the body of Christ? Because the one takeaway from all of these verses is this right here. It's a diversity of gifts. It's a diversity of ministries. But it's all the same spirit. And the big takeaway is all of the gifts, all of the manifestations. The chief aim is to edify the body of Christ. It's to edify the body of Christ. In other words, I am better when you Use your gift in the body of Christ. You are better whenever I use my gift in the body of Christ. Your gift is different than mine. Your gift is different than theirs. And, the, and that is the beauty that we can all come in here unified because we all are unified by the same Spirit. Somebody say amen right there. Come on, put your hands together. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For more information about the Revival Center, visit us on the web at revivalcenterag.com.